I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coming to you from SoFi Stadium, it's a Week 7 edition of Rams All Access. DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long looking down on the field here in Inglewood. It'll be the site on Sunday. For Week 7, the Detroit Lions still winless. The Rams looking to get to 6-1. and DeFar, how are you, my friend? I'm good. This is beautiful. Have I said that before? Have we talked about SoFi? Kind of nice when it's it empty and quiet. A little bit. I like it when it's like crowded and raucous too. Totally. There's yeah. No, there's no bad look for so. No, it's just really cool. But it's all going to happen down here. This is going to be fun on game day. Of course, it's the return of Jared Goff and Michael Brockers. It's Matthew Stafford facing the team that drafted him for the very first time. We'll dig into all of that. We'll do a segment kind of through each quarterback's eyes, taking a look at the lens of this game from Stafford's perspective, from Jared Goff's perspective. We'll also go around the division and uh, four down territory. But let's start with it, just kind of a two week in review. All right, because the last. Last time we were here, it was a sour taste, right? The Arizona Cardinals, who are still undefeated, handed the Rams their first loss. Um, But what a way to regroup for Raheem Morris in this defense, for Sean McVay in the offense, to go short week, win at Seattle, maybe start your division rival on a downward spiral that's going to end their season. We can talk about that later on, too, with respect to Russell Wilson. And then a professional win in New York against the lowly Giants. Absolutely. I I think uh, the Seattle game was was properly positioned. I think they caught a break there because it was on Thursday after the stinker uh, that that you know, Arizona kind of laid on you here in SoFi. Really took the air out of your season. So Thursday got here quick. You got a chance to get your hands on Seattle, and you played well up there. Uh, you, you knocked Russell Wilson out of the game. I, I think you you got back on track, so to speak. So that was great positioning that Thursday. Couldn't have come at a better time. And then you, you have to fly east and, and face a, you know, a New York team that's struggling right now. So it's, it's basically a sparring partner. It, it was a great... Uh, second game to have after playing on Thursday night. But like you said, professional win. Uh, you, you took the ball away from them. You set up short fields. You scored enough points to win the game, and you kept them out of the end zone. So uh, you, you kind of got back on track in Seattle. You kept that winning feeling. You got your mojo up. Perfect. Now you get to face your old quarterback coming back to town. I, I think Sean McVay and this this football team have done a great job coming off that lost Arizona. We'll hear from Matthew Stafford in just a moment. First, want to address where the Rams are. Big picture in terms of of this segment of their schedule. And there's some things that you can say on Rams All Access that you might not put out there on the Coach McVay show, right, DeMarco? Definitely, absolutely, (laughs) saving them too. I'm comfortable (laughs) saying this in front of you. The Rams are in a stretch uh, of their schedule against truly awful teams, and they happen to be grouped together. In fact, I would say the four worst teams maybe in the league all appear on the Rams schedule. The Giants, who they just saw, the Lions, who are next, the Texans, who are on Halloween, and the Jaguars, in just a bit, right? I mean, those might be the four worst teams in the National Football League, and you happen to play three of them in a row. Uh, So here's a really sweet spot opportunity for the Rams to tighten screws, to get right in all their faces, because Derrick Henry and company are coming to town eventually. You're going to get back into division play and have to get over the hump against the Niners eventually, Uh, but you're not there yet. This is still the the stretch of time where you have to be playing your best selves rather than the opponent. I agree. It's all about your A game, and remember post-game in New York, and, you know, Coach McVay was a little grouchy. We didn't know why. 
the first thing I thought was, you know, maybe did, did you want to beat them by 100? And then you go back and watch tape. Yeah, you should have beat them by more than what you did. So there's, there was more out there for the offense. There was more out there for the defense. Uh, I thought the defense played great in terms of takeaways, but they had problems stopping the run at times. I, I thought on the other side of the football, uh, on offense, they got off to slow starts. Okay, if you're facing some of these good teams down the road, if you're facing Baltimore and you start slow against Lamar Jackson, you almost have no chance. The last thing you want is to have Baltimore with a lead, right? And you're chasing him, so that's bad. So when you have a, an opponent that you should beat, then go out and take care of the game early and, and put them away early. Do Play as if you're playing a playoff football team because down the line, you will be. So you might as well get reps against team you can get reps against. I, I think that's it. Faster start this week and better third down in distance and efficiency. Those are the two offensive areas that I think we're both focused on uh, as the Lions come into SoFi Stadium for this Week 7 affair. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. This is Rams All Access. Let's hear from Matthew Stafford, who's come over from Detroit and been everything that Sean McVay and the Rams had hoped for when they made that trade. You know, I feel good, um, but this is a this is a harsh business. You know, you got to go out there and prove it every Sunday. Um, doesn't matter who you are, who you're playing. Um, you know what our record is, what the choice record is. You got to go out there and play well on Sunday. The the team that plays best in that three hour, you know, time window on Sunday is going to win the game. So um, we have a great you know team, great defense, offense is playing at a at a decent clip right now. Special teams playing great. So it's just on us to continue to you know build on that and continue to go out there and play well on Sundays. And that's that's the biggest thing. So in this swap of former number one picks, I, I think it's appropriate to start with Matthew Stafford because he's wearing horns right now, and he also predates Jared in the league, right? The first overall selection of the 2009 NFL draft, played a dozen seasons in Detroit, set all kinds of records. Unfortunately for them, did not get a playoff win. Now he comes to Los Angeles with Super Bowl expectations, and he's delivered. I, I mean, you look at almost any metric, DVOA, QBR, um, rating, take your pick. He's been truly elite, and I think the best is yet to come. I like it. Uh, you know, when you start looking at these short lists for MVP, he's on it. That's nice. That's awesome. That's where you want your quarterback to be. But, yeah, he's as good as advertised. Um, I wonder how the reaction would be if this game was in Detroit. Would they cheer him or boo him? Oh, staying innovation. You think so? It would be minutes long. Because I, I, I've been reading some stuff coming out of Detroit. They're trying to say that the, Detroit's problems – have a lot to do with him as well. So I don't know. Could be no. mixed. But the fact that he's here is great. Um, he's with uh, at, at, with Sean McVay, with an offensive coordinator that knows how to maximize his skill set. He's got some weapons around him. Plus, he's got a defense to back him up and a pretty good punter in case you have to punt. So I think you're going to see the best of Matthew Stafford from here on out. But, yeah, I mean – to be honest, and listening to that soundbite, if he were running for president, I'd probably vote for him. That's about as political as you get. This football team coming to town is not as good as you are. You should absolutely annihilate them. And that should be your mindset stepping onto the field. I know you want to give Jared Goff his praise, and I know you want to give Detroit their props because you used to play there, but the Rams are better than them. Record, roster, whatever, stat-wise. This should be a one-sided beating for the L.A. Rams if you bring your A game. Well, here's the other thing. Matthew Stafford was the first mover here. Yeah. The trade doesn't happen if he doesn't speak up and say, 
look, we're at another inflection point in this organization's history. You're, you're changing over at the top. I'm not in rebuilding mode. I want to go somewhere else for the next season of my career. And he got what he wanted. You know, that's really, that, that's something. I mean, there's a lot of guys, I think Deshaun Watson. Well, there's something else with Deshaun Watson, but guys forcing their way out of cities onto other teams. If it's not handled properly, you become the villain. Matthew Stafford, like you said, was the first guy that said something. He gets moved. And we're looking at other people instead of him. You know what I mean? So it all worked out. I I think it it was meant to be. I think Matthew Stafford coming here with Sean McVay in this point in time was meant to be in this stadium. So uh, like you said, Jared Goff was the first guy like to break ground. He helped build this place. But when you think of it, this stadium was kind of built for guys like Matthew Stafford. It's about winning football games and entertaining people at the same time. What do we like? We like the long ball. He can throw that. Look, from management, ownership, all the way down, there are plenty of familiar faces, people that he's going to want to greet. Um, But when you look at the X's and O's and the 11 men across from him on game day, there aren't a lot of familiar faces. I mean, this roster has churned for Detroit. New head coach, new defensive coordinator, new personnel, including that corner where he's going to be targeting his throws. There's not a familiarity other than the laundry once this game kicks off. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, all you know is the uniform, so be it. So there's no familiarity. There's no relationships. There should be no emotion either. You should be a cold-blooded assassin about going after this football team. Maybe if, if it's... If it was a loaded defense, a a really good defense, and then he left and came to L.A., and you're facing that same group that you went to battle with, it might be a little bit different. Like for Jared Goff, when he looks across and sees Aaron Donald, I went to battle with you. I know you. There's connection there. But for Matthew Stafford, look, it's just uh, the uniforms are blank, and those are the bad guys. I remember a coach told me, because we used to get so caught up in the 49ers or so caught up in the Seahawks, he said, forget it. They're all targets. That's how Matthew Stafford should approach playing Detroit. It's not the Lions. They're the targets this week. Uh, To your question about how he might be received if this was going the other direction Mm -hmm. to the Motor City, you know what I've experienced every single week of the season so far? A Lions fan speaking up and saying, I am now a Rams fan as well because of nine. Wow. Okay, good. The more the merrier. That's how loyal his following is in Detroit. I think it's ludicrous to say that he, oh, look, he's the quarterback. He's the one that's letting the ball go, or you have issues, wins and losses. I get that. But to say that it's him, <laughs> when you look at Detroit's history, that team's history with great players, and how, how you can waste Barry Sanders, how you can waste Calvin Johnson, and how you ultimately wasted Matthew Stafford. It's not just the guy. There's something else going on in Detroit, and I hope they get that turned around. Of course, the Los Angeles Rams sent Jared Goff to Detroit, along with their next two first-round picks and last year's third as well. So when we continue with Rams All Access, we'll spin it around and look at it through the lens of Jared Goff and the Rams faithful here at SoFi Stadium. How will they receive Number 16, now in Honolulu Blue. With Marco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. This is Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
As we continue with Rams All Access, I got to thinking about something that Matthew Stafford told me in my first interview with him after he was introduced in the spring as the new Rams quarterback. And we were talking about Aaron Donald and all the times that he's had to contend with the three-time defensive player of the year. And Matthew Stafford was exuberant that from now on, (laughs) he would be protected by a red number nine jersey. And that would no longer be his problem for the foreseeable future. Well, as Jared Goff comes to town, his number 16 has been read for the entirety of his career with Aaron Donald so far until Sunday. Yeah, it's different now. And, uh, you know, it's funny when, when you're practicing against your own guys. And as a defensive lineman, I guess, uh, especially a pass rushing type guy, uh, you want to bear down on any quarterback. But the one guy you can't hit is your own. But now all that changes. So... Look, Jared knows when Jared lines up or walks up to the line of scrimmage, he's going to look to see where Aaron is. And he's going to know his offensive line better than most people. So whenever Aaron is in an advantageous advantageous position for him, I would bet Jared Goff changes the play or calls timeout because it's almost a certainty or a guarantee he's going to get there. So, yeah, I, I, you may know Aaron. Um, you know how fast he gets there, but it's going to be a little bit different when he actually gets to finish the play on top of you. So uh, this this will be fun to watch, at least from our perspective, but not from Jared Goff's. Jared had some brilliant moments in Los Angeles and with the Rams. He had some not-so-spectacular seasons. And I think the, the most doubtful I ever was about Jared Goff as a starting quarterback in this league was not at the Coliseum, was not here at SoFi Stadium. It was at UC Irvine. It was training camp. And I do think there's an element of Jared where he's a gamer and he rises to the occasion when the lights are on. So maybe he's not the best practice quarterback. But you know what I think it was more than anything else? That was the largest sample size, the only sample size we had eyes on when Donald was at his doorstep and when Donald was his problem. And I think there's not much debate to be made that Aaron Donald is uniquely equipped, maybe the most uniquely equipped human being on the planet, to disrupt Jared Goff as a quarterback. That's why I think Swift and Williams are going to be big for Detroit because he's going to check the ball down immediately. Uh, You have to. I mean, the only quarterbacks that really give Aaron problems, I mean, outside of an offensive line, I give every offensive lineman credit. He, He doesn't win on every single rep, but he wins on most. But the quarterbacks that give Aaron trouble are the guys that can move. That's not Jared. Jared's going to plant that left foot in the well and stay there and try to find a guy deep or short to intermediate. So that's going to be an issue. That's, that's in the blast zone for Aaron Donald. So if you're Detroit, if you're Jared Goff, you're going to have to find a way to get your butt out of that, out of that spot or Aaron's just going to absolutely crush you. So back to the West Coast, back to bootlegs, back to playing one half of the field. You're going to have to move the pocket away from Aaron. You're going to have to move Jared Goff out of the pocket. If not, then 99 is going to have a heck of a day. And it's not just Aaron Donald. I I think coming back from New York, one of the most encouraging signs, uh, Leonard Floyd had a nice game right from the opening snap. The Rams seem to have coped now with the loss of Justin Hollins on the other edge. They have some viable options with uh, Terrell Lewis settling into his weekly cadence and ramping up for a game day with Obo Okoronkwo, uh, now fully integrated into this pass rush. And that was something that Sean McVay was uh, quick to point out, was very excited about this week at practice. You know, you look at Aaron Donald and what makes him, you know, what I think, you know, epitomizes his greatness is he raises the level of play of everyone around him. That's a special thing to see. 
see. Um, I think Leonard Floyd is asserting himself as one of those players, too. You know, Leonard Floyd, you look at the way that he's played, the way that he's responded after a career year last year, the relentless pursuit, the way that he plays, the ownership and understanding. Those two guys together up front are really wreaking havoc and doing an excellent job. But I think those other guys, when you have that kind of example day in and day out of what does it look like to be a pro's pro, to not necessarily just see what you do on Sundays, but how does your weekly rhythm, your process in the meeting room, on the practice field, you know, how does that end up translating to that game reality? Uh, that was Sean McVay this week in anticipation of the Detroit Lions. SoFi Stadium, 1 o'clock here. Hope to see you in person. If not, we'll have the broadcast for you on 710 ESPN. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, this is Rams All Access. And you and I disagree about one element, I think, of, of this matchup, and that is what the emotional fan response maybe should be on Sunday afternoon when Jared Goff takes the field? Well, it's, it's different. Um, you know, I, I see your side. Without Jared Goff, you probably don't reach the Super Bowl. You know, and you probably didn't reach it twice because of Jared Goff. You know what I mean? So it's, it's hit or miss. It's, it's heaven and hell. And, you know, there's, there's feast and famine with Jared Goff. Um, there weren't that many people that were too upset when he left, especially when you got Matthew Stafford coming back the other way. I get the appreciation, but... Like Sean McFay said on the coaches show, you can pretty much do that every week in this league. There, there are guys that used to be on different rosters and they're playing against that same team every single week. So, you know, give him his props. And I think you did while he was here. I think you gave Jared Goff the, 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 his due when he was a Ram. Now he's a Detroit Lion. I don't think you have to do that anymore. So you're saying this fan base had his back Absolutely. for his duration as a Ram and they don't owe him anything more. Well, I mean, I remember, you know, when they used to talk about Jared Goff's win-loss record and how the national media would point to and say it was all McVay. And I remember Rams fans defending their guy. Good and bad. Defending Jared Goff. Yep. You know, he's, I did. Yeah, Everybody did. I was a Jared Goff apologist you through had, and through. You had to be, but now it's different. Now he's on the opposite side. So I, I don't think you owe Jared Goff any more applaud than he already got. So why would you do it now? I just think it would be really sweet to see a standing ovation for Jared Goff one more time. Treat him as your own. And then when he goes behind center for the first time and for the rest of the game and maybe for the rest of his career, treat him like you would. Daniel Jones or Russell Wilson or Kyler or Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever well, maybe not it Kyler. Is. We still haven't touched him yet. <laughs> I get what you mean. No, I, I'm right there with you. And if we were in the crowd, if you and I were in the crowd, if we were Rams fans and you stood up and clapped when Jared came out, I may stand up after you. It wouldn't be top of mind. Okay, I'll give the guy his props. But then let's go kick his butt. That being said, Michael Brockers has a different place in your heart because of what he's meant to this organization, uh, his tenure, and the fact that he plays a position group that, that you're very close to. Well, yeah. I See, when we're talking about Jared and then you go right to Michael Brockers, this is what I mean. How many times did Jared Goff, because the offense kind of stalled out, put the defense on the field and said, hey, bail us out? I mean, that his last year here in L.A. was all about the defense stepping up, so... Yeah, it's, it's a little bit different. My, uh, Michael is a warrior. He's an absolute monster out there, and he's a leader. He's, he's not just the guy that shows up for a paycheck. He takes it seriously, and he, he appreciates and, and really gets behind teaching the young about what it is to be a pro. So if I had to pick a guy to be my favorite professional athlete of all time, or at least favorite uh, professional football player that I've covered, it would be him. This is what you want to be like. This is how you want to treat your family. This is how you want to treat your fan base. And this is how you want to be a great teammate. He is everything that you want to be as a professional. And in that sense, his legacy, I think, continues on. 
with this Rams defensive line, defense period, locker room period. Don't you think? I mean, there's a through line from Michael Brockers to Aaron Donald to Sebastian Joseph Day to Eric Henderson to dog work. Yeah, no doubt. And I agree with you 100%. Um, and Brockers leaving forced Aaron to step up in that capacity. Aaron As, was, as a vocal leader. As a vocal leader. Aaron was kind of the, you know, do what I do. I'm not going to say much about it. But now that Michael Brockers is out of the equation, you've got to be more vocal about what you're doing. So, yeah, I mean, that's saying something. When, when you're a leader to the best defensive player in the game and when you exit the room, he has to step up his game. That says a lot about Michael Brockers. What concerns you about this game? Because we've been, what, two segments into this show now and we haven't talked a lot of Exodus and O's like we normally do. It's a lot of emotional stuff. It's a lot of interpersonal stuff. Is there a danger in such a game? Because on paper, it looks pretty one-sided. I'll, I'll tell you what, what uh, teams like this make me nervous because they've hurt themselves about as much as the opponent. Um, and this is Jared Goff and talking about his, his, his ability. They've turned the ball more, uh, turned the ball over more in plus territory than any other team in the league. So they have opportunities to either get back in games or take the lead in games, and they shoot themselves in the foot. So I think no matter how bad a football team is in the NFL, no matter what their record is, if they're 0-15, there's still one great game in there. There's still one great game within them, and – you know, woe to you if they wake up on you. You know what I mean? And, and if this emotional cocktail is what brings that out. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, I think these types of nuggets are fascinating, but they're terrifying. The Lions have yet to play an offensive snap with a lead this season. Right. They've yet to take an offensive snap with the lead <laughs> through six games. You had to say it again. You can't believe it, right? I know. I mean, it's not because they're that bad. It's because they're making a ton of mistakes. Eventually, they're going to get those things ironed out and give somebody a real fight. Especially because they're also the first team in NFL history to lose twice in a season on a last-second field goal of 50-plus yards. I mean, wow. they are 0-4 this season. But they're also good enough to be right there at the final gun with the likes of Baltimore. You know, here, this is, uh, this is not like New York. I think they're flawed. They've got issues. Detroit reminds me, are you a race car fan? NASCAR? No. IndyCar? No, but the Formula One series on Netflix changed my thinking. Big t okay, Formula One, same thing. You know the independent cars on the track? That's what Detroit reminds me of. Great at the start, but eventually, eventuality kicks in, and the better car, the faster car, the more expensive car, wins out. Same with Detroit, unless the Rams turn the ball over, making a bunch of pre-snap penalties, or forget how to tackle that day, and you give Detroit life. Next thing you know, they think they can win the football game, and they're professional athletes too, so... But if you do, if you treat them like you treated New York, keep losing teams losing, eventually, it's in the back of their head already, we're going to lose this game. Detroit knows it. So remind them of that, and that's how they'll play. Still to come on this edition of Rams All Access, we will go around the division. The 49ers are off of their bye. The Seattle Seahawks are reeling. Plus, the latest installment of our playoff eliminator contest, I control the draft board against DeMarco Farr. But coming up next, it's four down territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. You're listening to Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Rams All Access. It's week seven at SoFi Stadium, the Detroit Lions and the Los Angeles Rams. It's time for Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponents' territory. Pleased to have as our guest this week, Anthony Bellino, host for the Michigan Sports Network and in-game host for the Lions. Anthony, welcome and thank you for your time. JB, thank you so much for having me. How are you today? 
Doing great. So we've already kind of talked about the uh, return of the quarterbacks uh, for Jared Goff coming to Los Angeles. You've been closer to it than we have. We've talked a lot about Matthew Stafford's feelings and his perspective. Put us in the shoes of Jared Goff. Where is he at emotionally as he makes his return to SoFi Stadium? I don't think that he'd ever lead anyone to believe anything other uh, than, you know, everybody just preparing for another football game. But I, I think it's resonating a little bit there. Uh, with him, you know, he's a pretty, pretty quiet, pretty soft-spoken guy for the most part. But I, I truly believe that when you, if you put yourself in Jared Goff's shoes, realizing the, the the success that Matthew Stafford and the LA Rams are having, that was your former team. You look at all the weapons that they have over there on the other side of the football. It, you know, LA dealt you to Detroit, dealt you to a situation that is drastically different from what the expectation is uh, for the LA Rams this year. And so for the Lions, I really think that. As for Jared Goff, that for as much as he can kind of compartmentalize and try to, you know, kind of hide any sort of those those feelings of hurt. I know that, you know, Coach Sean McVay came out and said that he wishes the communication uh, was a little bit better. Just, you know, try to realize, hey, this is where we're at now. This is where my life has taken me. And this is just another 60-minute football game. Although, however, I do believe that uh, both Stafford and Goff realize this is not just your ordinary 60-minute football game. Anthony Bellino is the host for the Michigan Sports Network. He covers the Lions, and he's with us on Four Down Territory. I want to follow up on Dan Campbell and his post-game comments following the most recent loss, in which he, he kind of said two things can be true at once. It's not fair to Jared what we're asking him to do in the context of the personnel around him, but also he needs to step up and elevate the performance of the other 10 players on the field. You can't change over your roster week to week. So with the group they have coming to Los Angeles, is there a path forward for Jared Goff to squeeze better results out of this offense? You know, that's, uh, it, it's really what, what Coach Campbell had said in that, uh, that press conference is really what we're all trying to figure out is how do we evaluate what the Detroit Lions have when we have a roster that has been very limited, not only, you know, to begin the season, when you look, you know, talent position by position, one through 53, where would the Lions roster stack up? Then you start taking integral pieces off of the team, like the injured reserve trip for uh, all pro center Frank Ragnow, left tackle, uh, left tackle Taylor Decker. You're starting a 20 year old rookie, Panay Sewell. You started him at the left side, moved him over to right tackle uh, last week. You know, it's really a patchwork sort of job. The wide receiving core has been absolutely decimated. You get a guy like Quintez Cephas, uh, you know, who's able to step up, make some catches, then he goes to IR. So it's really challenging what we can actually ask Jared Goff to do. But I think if we look back to last week, one thing that we will ask him to do is, you know, there's a, a third and fourth play in which TJ Hawkinson has a release. He's going up, up the sideline against the Cincinnati Bengals at fourth and four. Here's Jared Goff. He rolls out of throwing down to his check down receiver, which was DeAndre Swift, wide open in the flat. He decides to roll out on fourth and four and throw it away, not being aware of the situation, thought that the flag was going to be against the defense, so he had a free play. You can't make those kinds of mistakes, especially at the quarterback position in the NFL when the margin for error is so slim. Holding on to the football, a couple of turnovers inside the, uh, inside the Chicago Bears 15-yard line, that's going to stall a drive, turns the football over, no points on the board whatsoever. So he's got to be able to take care of the ball. Nobody's asking him to throw it 75 yards down the field. They just need to hit open receivers. He's Anthony Bellino from the Michigan Sports Network. I'm J.B. Long, and this is Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Anthony, question number three. When Matthew Stafford is on the field and he peers across a line of scrimmage, there don't seem to be many familiar faces on the Detroit Lions defense that he would have gone up against in practice week to week. What's going on on that side of the football, and, and who might he be fearful of as the uh, Rams are on offense? 
defensively, JB, for lack of a better way to put it, this team has just been a mess. You know, we talked about injuries a little bit on the offensive line. Well, in the secondary, this team has been absolutely decimated. Second corner, Jeff Pope, he goes to injured reserve with a torn Achilles. Uh, you know, you have Efate Melanfondo, a guy they picked up in the draft uh, this past draft in 2021. He goes down on injured reserve. Along with Kevin Strong, both of those guys on injured reserve. So there aren't a whole lot of familiar faces on defense. And really the biggest issue uh, for this team has been able uh, to, to cover. I mean, that's flat out, there's no other way to put it. Jerry Jacobs did a really nice job uh, for a guy in his position to have to come out and, and guard Jefferson uh, and, uh, pardon me, uh, Jamar Chase last week. He did a really good job for the first 30 minutes of that football game. Highly impressed by him. Stafford knows Tracy Walker will be roaming around, and he's really the playmaker uh, in that secondary. And obviously, he'll be a little comfortable with Amani Oruwarie on the on the left side as well. But outside of that, they're defensively, I think what Matthew Stafford is looking at this Lions team, I think a lot of people are looking at this Lions team. The strength has to be up front uh, between Michael Brockers, a name that you know, Ali McNeil, Nick Williams. You know, guys like that have to be able to get involved and they have to be able to put some semblance of pressure on the quarterback because if you can't pressure the quarterback and you give a guy time, especially a guy with the skill set that Matthew Stafford has, he is absolutely going to shred you. And I think that all Detroit fans are aware of that. Anthony, why don't we follow up on Michael Brockers then for our last question? Because if you are trying to change a culture, uh, Brock, to our knowledge and experience, seems to be the perfect cornerstone for such a rebuild. What has he done in Detroit to this point? Well, it's been very challenging. I think the biggest thing for him is going to be his leadership uh, um, amongst a very young defensive line core here for Detroit. He's one of the senior members on the team and uh, being just 30 years old. You know, we talk about athletes when they hit 30, like, the, you, know, the, you know, the world is ending or whatever, but I'm, I'm past 30 and I feel just fine. Uh, not fine enough to play an NFL football game, JB, but I think Michael Brockers, what he can bring to this team, you know, statistically, he hasn't necessarily, you know, jumped out at anyone but it's teaching guys like Aline McNeil and Levi Onzewerke. It's teaching those guys and, and John Penasini how to become really good pros, Nick Williams. It's, it's trying to keep them involved and engaged. But the problem really has been for this Detroit defense is, is they have played well. You know, they held Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens to 16 total points uh, before, you know, the Ravens kick a 66-yard NFL-long field goal that bounces off the crossbar and goes in. They held the Minnesota Vikings to 16 points through four quarters before their kicker hits a career long of 54 uh, as time expires. The defense is doing their job, I would say, probably 75% of the game. The issue is is that they're not playing complementary football. They can't get the same production from the offense, so they're constantly out there on the field, and eventually they just get worn down. Offenses are taking their time with them, and the Lions offense can't stay on the field. So I think for a guy like Michael Brockers, when you talk about culture and you talk about leadership, it's keeping these guys engaged and keeping them very much involved in the task at hand, which is to win a football game week by week. Because when you're 0-6 and the sky is falling and everybody's wondering what in the world is going on, it'd be very easy to get up. It'd be very easy to take days off. So I think that that's where this organization, especially the guys on the defensive side of the football, need to lean on his experience and lean on him as a professional, how to show up to work every day, especially when, when the going gets tough. He is Anthony Bellino, and he's barely a day past his 30th birthday. He's the host for the Michigan Sports <laughs> Network and in-game host for the Lions. Anthony, we appreciate your perspective. Thanks for joining us on Four Down Territory. JB, thank you so much. Have a great call. And coming back with DeMarco Farr for Around the Division after this. You're listening to Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. 
Welcome back to Rams All Access. Before we get to Around the Division, I want to let you know that there's a new episode of the Rams Revealed podcast with Cooper Cup, the NFL's leading receiver. In fact, he and Robert Woods are the top receiving tandem in the National Football League, but they do so much more than catch passes from Matthew Stafford. And I asked Cooper Cup what it means to have someone at his side like Robert Woods as he's gotten off to a record-setting start. He is the most complete receiver in the league, I think. Um, you know, what he can do in terms of the top shelf stuff, what he does in the intermediate game, what he does um, underneath, being able to get open, his ability to separate versus press, ability to eat up grass versus off coverage. Um, I don't think there's anyone in the league that you can ask to do all the things he does in the pass game and also understand all the stuff he has to do in the run game. Um, you know, he's used a lot of times as a fullback, ISOing up on, on safeties, rolling down into the box. Um, you know, he's he's sifting off of edges, you know, being able to take uh, shots off of our running backs. And um, he plays with an energy still snap and snap out, whether it's the first snap, the 70th snap, whatever it is. He's playing with the energy to make sure he's running to the ball. Um, any opportunity to play for his guys, um, I just think, um, I think the world of him and how he plays the game. That was Cooper Cup with seven touchdown receptions through the Rams' first six games. With Marco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. Should be some favorable matchups for those two against a couple of undrafted rookie starters in the secondary at corner for the Lions. Amani Oruwarie, as well as Jerry Jacobs, will be making just his third career start. I got a problem, J.B. If I had to choose between Cup and Woods or Bruce and Holt. Come on. I know, right? It's, it should be obvious. One's in the Hall of Fame, and the, the other one's about to go in. But I'm not sure if I can put Bruce and Holt in this offense and ask them to do what these two guys are doing. Bruce and Holt are not going to lead up on linebackers and block. You know what I mean? I mean, they're receivers, true receivers down to the core. I'm not sure if I can put them in, in this offense and say, hey, I need you to do X, Y, and Z and have them be happy with it. Something tells me Sean McVay would be able to figure it out if you gave him the other two from the greatest show. Oh, on I'm sure. I, I don't think you're going to be using this this type of offense. But I you mean, gave him that hand, he'd play it. I'm sure he would. I mean, but that's just. I mean, what Cooper Cup said about Robert Woods is exactly right. And I think the one thing he didn't say was his ego is in check. You know, he is a top flight receiver. He is a guy that could be considered a number one on a football team, but he's not going to crow and and complain uh, and and go crazy about not getting the rock. During game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that is just admirable. I think Cooper Cup is right, right on the money. Nice uh, new fresh batch of Rams Iconic, your podcast as well. Yeah. If you're looking to dig into some history before the Lions game. Yeah, man. I mean, I, we just talked to Leonard Little. I haven't talked to him in forever. Uh, we, we actually recorded that before Aaron Donald broke the record. In anticipation in of. In anticipation of. So, I mean... We, we both agree. Watching Aaron Donald, it's like I told uh, Leonard during the, pro- the podcast, Aaron ate me up inside of three years. You know what I mean? As all my numbers were gone inside of three years, and you're next. You know what, I mean? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what though? <laughs> if there was a guy to do it, you'd want him to be the one. Absolutely. No doubt. Because now he's outside of the Rams organization, and he's going for – can't. If you're going to get smoked, get smoked yeah. by one of the best of all time. <laughs> all right, so the Rams are home at SoFi Stadium against the Lions this weekend, trying to win their third straight game, trying to get to 6-1 and one and spill the Lions to 0-7. Let's look around the rest of the NSC West. Boy, Arizona still has not lost to Marco. They are 6 up, 0 down, and it doesn't look like that's going to stop anytime soon with Houston coming to Glendale next. You know, I mean, anything can happen. I mean, Kyler Murray is a quarterback that puts himself at risk, meaning he's a running quarterback, so anything could happen. But, man, um, I think they think this is a special year. So 
that is going to be hard for any team to knock out of them. I mean, not only do you have to be good, you're contending with a team that thinks it's their destiny to line up in the Super Bowl. So they're special. It's going to be fun. I always like when your next opponent is playing one of your division rivals, right? I'm going to watch that Arizona game anyway, but now I get to see how – Houston measures up in the process of preparing for the Rams trip on Halloween. Two and three San Francisco. A season on the line, it feels like. Coming off their bye, Jimmy Garoppolo figures to be their starting quarterback. Trey Lance still injured. And they get the Colts, who are playing well, DeMarco. I mean, I think you saw the potential there, certainly from Indianapolis when we were there in week two. They weren't quite right. They weren't settled in completely with Wentz at quarterback, but they've put forward some good efforts lately. Yeah, and they're getting Nelson back, right? Their guard is coming back. Yeah, so they're going to be a little bit better there. So DeForest Buckner revenge game. Oh my goodness, yes. Oh my gosh, when that guy stands up, I mean... Good Lord, you talk about booking. What if he's hyper-motivated for his return to Levi's? I'm sure he will, I'm sure he will be. Absolutely. Jimmy Garoppolo's not the most mobile. I, I was, mean, it's, it's a little bit we talked about with Goff and Aaron Donald. Well, at least Garoppolo can protect himself, you know what I mean, and move a little bit. And I was thinking about something with the Niners. Can you imagine if you're Jimmy Garoppolo and you take the team from 20 to 20 and then they bring in Trey Lance and he throws the touchdown pass? How frustrating would that be? That would drive me nuts. Oh, it's like the Drew Brees giving way to Taysom Hill. I mean, he must have really, really been able to stomach that and have a lot of respect for his head coach because if I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer at the tail end of my career and you're asking me to try and win a Super Bowl on my way out and you're bringing in Taysom Hill in the red zone for me? Right. Oh. But at least Brees was on the field as a receiver, a token receiver. Garoppolo's on the bench, and I drove you down here. That's not fair. Yeah, it's a a sign of maturity. Um, And then lastly, Seattle. Are they cooked? Is two and four Seattle cooked? Wow. Uh, New Orleans on Monday Night Football. I didn't read the article, and me, just Seattle history, I'm never going to count them out until they're out. But uh, there was an article I did not read. They've done it before from two and four. So it's not over for them. Pete Carroll is still wily. He's a savvy veteran head coach. He'll find a way to get this this group rallied. So until Seattle is mathematically out of it, mm-hmm. consider them a threat. Interesting. Playoff Eliminator Contest time. We do this every week on Rams All Access uh, to familiarize you with the rules in case this is new to you. DeMarco and I are essentially drafting teams that we think are going to miss the postseason. If you draft a team and they miss the playoffs, that's a point in your column. However, if you select a team and that team makes the playoffs – you automatically lose. So DeMarco and I have both this drafted... This is the NFL's version of the squid game, by the way. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> by the way, we talked about that in New York. I came home and I watched one. I told you. I will not be watching a second. What did I tell you? Okay. <laughs> not for me, thank you. Uh, so you have in your portfolio of teams that you think are on the outs. The Jets, one in four. The Giants, one in five. Atlanta is showing signs of life, but they're two and three. You're still in good shape there. Seattle two and four. You took them last week. Minnesota three and three. That would be the one that, that would hurt. concern me. I have one of those as well. I have the Lions winless. I have Jacksonville, Houston, Miami all at one and five. Feeling great about those four. But here I have the Colts at two and four and getting hot going to San Francisco. So we'll see. We'll see about the Colts. Where are they next week? Are they cause for concern in a division that's still very much to be decided? All right. I control the draft board this week, DeMarco, because you made the most recent selection. That was uh, Seattle last week. And I, I am very, very glad to have 
the opportunity to take the Washington football team <laughs> with two wins and four losses going to Green Bay. I feel confident saying that they're going to lose again this week and be 2-5 and five in a division that the Cowboys control, and I don't necessarily see a second team getting out of. Uh, you know, um, what did Aaron Rodgers say to Chicago? I own you. Uh, I, I don't I've like the choice you. of words, but yes. you know, I get what he meant, and uh, I would say the same applies to the Washington football team this week. Uh, so no doubt there. Uh, so you're taking the WFT. I am. You're taking the WFT. I um, am. Do I have to take one this week? I think that's a great pick, by the way. You don't have to. Until do they not- get Tua. Nope. You, you can take one now if there's someone you would like. I, uh, or if you want to say, I'm going to wait for one more week of results. Do you have Philly? Philly was on my short list of consideration. Two and four Philadelphia going to Las Vegas. And again, each week it more looks more and more like Dallas is going to be the class of that division. I'm going to go ahead and sneak Philly onto my roster, if if you don't mind, sir. I'll you take the, I'll take the Eagles him. for the block. You can do it in broad daylight. That was an inspired performance by Vegas yeah. last week, by the way. It really was. Okay, I am tempted to go with the Bears at 3-3 three and three going to Tampa Bay. Ooh. I think Green Bay is atop that division, and Minnesota looks like the next best team in the north to me. Um, I think Carolina, without Christian McCaffrey, is in trouble. But they're at the Giants this week, and I think there's a chance they get a fourth win even without him. The other team that's on my radar, DeMarco, the New England Patriots. Really? Two and four. Wow. But hosting the Jets, same reason. I'm going to wait and see if they get a win this week okay. before I before I draft anyone else. All I right, haven't so we, looked. How's Mac Jones? Mac Jones is okay, right? He's uh, not horrible. As one analyst described him as a pea shooter last week. That's not good. Yeah, I, I thought good. he had. I thought he had performed better than that classification. Okay. But we shall see. Just getting started under Bill Belichick's guidance. Final thought on this one: Lions and Rams from SoFi Stadium. You know, look, uh, it's going to be emotional. Um, I said this before on this show or during this show that there's one great game in every football team in the National Football League. Just make sure it's not this weekend with Detroit. Uh, I think the Rams are the better team. I think they're playing better. I think they're, uh, dare I say, being coached better than the other side. So all the advantages rely with the Rams. All you have to do is bring your A game and you'll win this football game going away. I'll be white-knuckling it the whole way. Yeah. I mean, after seeing what the Jets came in here and did last December, I will never, I mean never, take a game like this for granted again. Fair. I mean, we learned that lesson seemingly week after week in the NFL, but that one hit home for me and for the Rams, and I think it served them well last week in New York, should again this week, and maybe again next week at Houston. Not only did you lose to the Jets, they kicked your butt. I, I 100% agree with you. Not, yep. and, and not only were they winless, but they had every reason to lose. Yep. Trevor Lawrence would be wearing their uniform today. Wow. 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 Don't tell Trevor Lawrence. No. That. Yeah. Uh, we'll see him potentially later this season at SoFi Stadium. That'll do it for this edition of Rams All Access. For Marco Farr, I'm JB Long. Hope you can join us in person Sunday, if not on the airways, right here on 710 ESPN.